0: You're going to have a story. It might be accidental, it might be on purpose, but that's where you are. You've reached the Accidental Storyteller. I am Dale Moore, and I am tickled to death you are with us today. On this episode, it's a special episode because I'm going to finally get a chance to talk to another storyteller besides me. And when I thought about who do I add to the mix first... Without question, the name John Sellers popped to the top of my mind, because we have been a friend way too many years. John Sellers, my goodness, good to see you, man.
1: Good to see you. Good to sit across the uh, uh, bench yeah, from you. Yeah. That's kind of is, fun.
0: Well, you know, you and I have been doing this for a long time. We've been telling stories and telling lies, and and now I'm doing it in, in the basement of the History Museum on the Square with you. And we call it the Grotto. The Grotto. <laughs> We're down in the... I, I feel <laughs> stories emanating just walking down the stairs here, so. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad to be here, man. I really am. Uh, what I, I mean, what I want to do first of all, I've, I think I'm five episodes in on this now, and I have yet to really kind of explain where this all came about. And you know, it's funny talking to yourself and telling that story. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, you know, I, I told you I wanted to have you come on and tell this story with me because. That way I don't sound so weird. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> now I remind you. Wait now, think I'll, about that. I remind you the rules here. Now you're not getting paid for any of this. Yes, that's, that's right? correct. And you can't back out. No, so it's too late now. You've got me
1: locked in a room in the gr- grotto.
0: In the grotto, <laughs> right, surrounded by lots of grotto stuff. That's it. Boy, our both of our careers in radio and in television have been, you know, illustrious and lots of stories there. All inspiring. <laughs> All inspiring <laughs> stories there, but. Uh, about 5 years ago I'm working on a book and the name of the book that I was working on was The Accidental Storyteller and I thought you know that'd be kind of fun because I know all these crazy stories that I've heard over the years and I you know and some you forget and you know shame on me for not writing them down but it's amazing how they start to kind of right. come back to mm-hmm. you and bubble up at the top so this started kind of as that the whole idea of getting these stories in between pages and then, you know, somebody said, well, you, you idiot, you ought to be doing a, a podcast. I said, I'm doing a what? A, what in the world? So that book turned into this. And this is a lot easier because, you know, books are hard. <laughs> yes, they are hard. <laughs> what in your mind makes a good story? Because
1: you're, I mean, you know. Of what me, make, know. It's got to be relatable. Okay. And it's got to have some sort of a finish. Right. Uh, people have to... Uh, it's like consuming a good meal. You've got to have you got to have all the courses, yeah. and and when it's done, you kind of got to pat your tummy and go. And yeah. that was nice.
0: You know, when I think about the stories that I've heard over the years, and the ones that the silly ones that I've already shared here on the on the Accidental Storyteller, uh, it it really is quite by accident how some of these stories mm-hmm. wind up mm-hmm. happening. Oh, uh, no question. And I never know from one day to the next where where things are going to take me on this this silly journey because. You know, it, it is a good journey. I think my concern about where we are right now as storytellers in the world is that, and I'm not going to get on a rant here about social media, but, boy, I think there's some things mm-hmm. that are killing storytelling mm-hmm. and maybe not intentional as much as, you know, laziness yeah. about it or something. Well, and I, and I use social media. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. The biggest
1: thing for me, i've been in and out of sales my whole life mm-hmm. now if you're a good salesman
0: you never sold underwear door-to-door
1: no okay. no i did not Aye. uh no, i'm not even going to make the well you were close just let it go but a good salesman their capability is not just dependent on the product they have or whatever right it's on their ability to absorb the mm-hmm. response from mm-hmm. the person they're dealing with mm-hmm how their eyes look how their face is Mm -hmm. which way they turn how how focused they are Mm -hmm. if you're if you're moving and you're a good salesman and you're you're moving in to make that sale you can tell if you've gotten too far one way or the other and move yourself back Mm -hmm. just by being focused on the other person everybody's focused on a little Mm -hmm. Three-inch screen in front of their face. All I see when I see people is the back of their hand. And I mean Mm -hmm. from TV reporters Mm -hmm. to people walking down the street, all I see is the back of their hand holding that little electronic gizmo in front of their face. And at some point in time, there's not going to be anybody left like you and I that have spent their whole life dealing with people face-to-face and Mm emotion-to-emotion. They're going to be gone. Then who's going to sell anybody anything? You're you're an unwitting dupe of whatever is written on that little three-inch screen. Right.
0: What I what I find fascinating about the whole current conversation that we're having with the, the whole thing with social media, what gets lost is is the emotion what gets you mm-hmm. know and, and the funny thing about it is we, we so we dream up these things and they're called emojis mm-hmm. which are supposed to you know reflect now when you, that when emotion you, when, yeah when you see this you're supposed to be laughing you know when i put well maybe i'm not laughing at all i mean mm-hmm. maybe i'm maybe i'm sad at this mm-hmm. point that you're even bothering to do that
1: or maybe you're just trying to elicit a response from the yeah. other person to see how they feel. Right, right. There's no way to know. No,
0: there's not. You know, the, the real cool thing, I think, about about storytelling, and, and the reason I intentionally, intentionally call this accidental storytelling, storytelling, you, when you think of storytelling, if I ask a room full of students, tell me what that is. Well, that's reading a book, or that's going to a movie, or that's listening to my favorite song, and that tells me a story. And I will say every time, you know, you're absolutely right, 100% correct. But that means that that's an intentional thing that you're doing, that you are wanting to have a story told to you in that whatever that venue is. Uh, the beauty and in the intentionality I have of talking about, in, you know, accidental storytellers, is that it just happens. You can go see a cashier at the store, mm-hmm. and something can happen. Happened to me the other day, and it's hilarious. And yeah. you, you just stand there and think. This is a story.
1: You can't make that up. You
0: can't make it up, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. It's like I've got a picture that I keep on my computer at work. And it's a picture, uh, a scene from around 1920 of a rainy, rainy day mm-hmm. at the corner of Jefferson and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no idea who took the picture. I have no idea of anybody that's in the picture. Mm-hmm. But I can look at that picture. And I can make up more stories than you can count, mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. By acti- just by the act, just by the activities mm-hmm, and the way they look, mm-hmm, and what's going mm-hmm. on around them. It, it, it that that ability, that that um, imagination, is so. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm so happy I have it, and I yeah. and I feel sorry for people that don't.
0: Um, I, you know, I, I think, and again, not to to rant on social media, but it's kind it's kind of a lazy medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, it you know, it, a lot of you know, it look it does it for you.
1: Yeah, let somebody else think for you. Right, right.
0: Which is yeah. you know, which is not a not a cool thing. No. But I love I love you know, I've, I've kind of gotten into the mindset of uh, I'm looking at the calendar and realizing, well, my calendar is getting I don't have too many pages left on the calendar at some point here. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm being optimistic, but you know. And so I better start telling some stories and getting some of these things kind of reduced down to some format. That's
1: I've been doing that for, uh, two or three years. Yeah. When I, well, it, I when I turned seventy, yeah, I started typing my life. Yeah. Just it's just a never-ending just spew of of, uh, well, I remember something else and I just go in there and type it in and then, every so often I cut and paste and try to shuffle it so it's in more sequential. Than just random yeah. random thoughts, but uh, hopefully, and, yeah. and my my children seem interested in reading it at some point.
0: Yeah. in Yeah, you know, when you just said you typing your life, I had this horrible vision of you sitting behind a Smith Corona typewriter, hunting and pecking. <laughs> yeah, <you> key. <know. laughs> <You're cute. laughs>
1: yeah, the, the old two, uh, two, yeah, finger, right? two finger newsroom type.
0: <laughs> I, I learned I learned to type in the in the Navy. I did. I, that's how I learned it. So. You know, when I when I think about what you do here at the museum, uh, this is the repository of stories. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, it really is. Just start talking about your favorite stories at the museum. What's your favorite story at this museum? Oh my goodness.
1: Probably, you know, one of them is, is of course, the Cobra scare, right? Because I I experienced that. I was living on St. Louis Street when that happened. (laughs) Uh, The Cobra scare is a great story, a great story about misinformation and and confusion, and then, and then the truth coming out forty years later through Michael Bryant. So there's stuff like that. Uh, Just uh, the the reason we have a Division Street all these little things that people go well, why we got a division street well because right. it used to divide two towns there's yeah. two separate towns. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. i had no idea yeah and just stuff like that
0: you know it's amazing too i mean we, we we tend to forget this stuff and and that's i mean that's why you have museums obviously and that's why you you do that but that's why you have storytellers too and mm-hmm. i know that here at the museum i know that yeah, this is this is truly an interactive experience, and if uh, you know if, if you've not been to, the, yeah. you're wow, are you missing out? What it totally it's an immersive kind of experience. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah, and, yeah, and, and lots of uh, well done. Uh, and and the good thing about it is, and that's one of the positives about the electronics, is that there are so many stories that don't require a gallery. There's no archival material, but they're wonderful stories, like uh, Officer Purcell getting kidnapped by Bonnie and Clyde, Mm -hmm. uh, or like I said, the Cobra Scare, things Mm -hmm. like that. So we've got facilities here that will tell those stories Mm -hmm. through the use of narration and and animation Uh, and we've got, right now we've got 42 stories on it. You go in this street car right. and it starts telling you stories in sequential order. It is so cool. And, uh, just things like that where we, it, a normal museum, what your vision of an old time museum is, is more like a garage sale in a museum, right. just stuff stacked up with a card on it. Yeah. And, and here we don't have that. We, we've got a little of it to add to it, but the majority of it is all narration and and animation and storytellers and i've got i we're very lucky here springfield has a has a wonderful uh, resource of voices Mm -hmm. and so uh i was able to capture voices and use them for the narration that's just amazing yeah
0: yeah how long, how long has, have you been in this location? I mean, the, where did the museum start? Originally?
1: Well, the museum started in a little storefront here on College Street. Yeah. It was a bicentennial museum. It yeah. was only going to be open in, in 1976. right? And then it became so popular, and people just were donating stuff like crazy. We moved out of there and moved to the Bentley House over by jury. And we were in the Bentley House uh, from 78 to 92. Uh, and then in 92, we moved into Old City Hall. Mm-hmm. and we were in Old City Hall until we moved down here mm-hmm. in uh, 2009.
0: And and what a what a location to come to. Talk about a historic building. Oh yeah, Good the,
1: gravy. these buildings are amazing, and uh, we've been so fortunate. We've got uh, the two buildings that are connected here, and then we've got the Fox Theater. So we, we kind of positioned ourselves in the Fox while these buildings were being developed, and we opened this museum in uh, August of 2019. And then closed it again in in April of 2020 due to the COVID. But then we reopened again, and and we're kind of like our our second second coming kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, We're talking to John Sellers, and we'll be right back. Are you a storyteller? Do you know somebody who's a storyteller? Well, if you are, I'd like to talk to you maybe even let you be an accidental storyteller for a day. You can reach out to me at 417-893-0709 or you can call or text that number or you can drop me an email to dale65809 dale65809 at gmail.com Call or text me or drop me a note to the Accidental Storyteller and maybe we'll make you famous someday. That might be cool. Might get you on with me and John together at the same time. <laughs> That's... What I would think about done anyway. All right. We're talking to John Sellers at the History Museum on the Square and longtime friend. And my gosh, it's, you know, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah,
1: we, we, we won't go into People that. People shouldn't be friends. There are some things this. that you can probably still be indicted for. So we're just going to let that all go. You know,
0: <laughs> that's and that's why I'm glad we're down here in the bunker. So uh-huh, there's, that's there's, right. there's a way out. Nobody so knows where we are. Nobody knows where we are so you know we were talking about and and you mentioned before the little break there we talked about the fox next door uh, now what are you doing with it is that a venue that people can we we rented it out rent it's it out? a rental
1: space and uh, has seats 624 people yeah uh, once we get back to full capacity yeah has a nice stage and and the it was built as a vaudeville house yeah so it has uh, even though it was uh, partially destroyed by fire in 1947. Even even after the rebuild, the acoustics in there are, uh, are right. wonderful, right. just wonderful.
0: Right, right. What kind of events do people have in there? I mean,
1: we've had it? everything from uh, parties and and presentations uh, to musical groups uh, all over the place. Uh, it's uh, it's been a it's been a kind of a, a Duke's mixture of every right. kind of uh, stuff you'd see. So you can do a wedding in there if you want. Do a wedding. To, do or? a do a uh, uh, Concert. Reunion. Yeah, oh yeah. The the only the only downside of it, it's the site where in nineteen thirteen, here we go, story. Yeah. Nineteen thirteen, that whole corner of the square from Boonville to St. Louis burned to the ground mm-hmm. because of a fire in the HERS store. The HERS store was where the fox is now. Mm-hmm. And there was a fire there, burned it all down. So when they built it back, HERS had already acquired the land where the old courthouse was. Mm-hmm. And they built the new building there. So that land was fallow where they uh, mm-hmm. where the old store had been.
0: It was fallow.
1: Fallow. Fallow. Yeah. Fallow. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm an old man. Whoa. I use old words. <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, uh, look it up, people. Look it up. Uh, they, um, uh, a company out of Kansas City came down here and, and decided they were going to build a movie house there. And then they were going to build on the backside of it a 10-story hotel. Well, they never got the hotel built thank goodness because that gives us some parking Mm -hmm. uh but uh they did build the theater Mm -hmm. it was called the electric and the only downside of it is that the entire theater there's probably 150 square feet that the floor is level Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the way that land is Mm -hmm. over there it's ramps up and down and all around so it, it's hard to do like uh, anything where you have to set up a bunch of tables and mm-hmm. have a buffet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, it's a, it's a wonderful venue. Yeah.
0: Who are some of the funnier people that you local people you know that that you classify as old time storytellers or? Um, you know, I, I He's not a local guy, but I know him because I worked with him at KTTS. Was uh, Barefoot Bob? Kenny. Barefoot Bob. Kenny Barefoot Bob a could one. tell yeah. great stories. Oh my
1: gosh! Yeah. Well, one that just. Uh, just signed off this week, Wayne Glenn. Oh yeah, the old record Glenn, collector. Yeah, great and and
0: boy. Uh, talk about storytelling.
1: Full disclosure, uh, a distant cousin. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? And
0: uh, we'll have to talk about all your all your yeah, relations but, uh, That's a show by itself. Uh, Wayne
1: Glenn is a, is a great one. Uh, um, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think of some others that. Uh,
0: well, anybody that's been in the television business, I'm mean, yeah. some good storytellers yeah. there. You know. Ned tells great Ned stories. <laughs> tells then great Most stories. of them aren't clean, but he does right.
1: tell great stories. Um,
0: you know, one of my favorite storytellers, he's no longer with us, but he, he could absolutely get you roll on the floor, was Charlie Spoon Hour. Oh, yeah. Spoon, I mean, spoon was spoon a good one. Spoon could tell the yeah. best stories. Oh, my in the world. goodness, yeah. I asked him one day, I said, Charlie, I said, Why, why'd you wind up a basketball coach? And he said, well, it's easier to coach basketball. I said, well, no, it's harder, and it? he said, "Well, he said with with track, you just say get out there and keep turning left, keep turning <laughs> left. That's all you got to do." He said, "That seemed too easy, so I thought I should up my game a little bit and play some basketball." Yeah. But he said, "Yeah, you keep right. turning left." Yeah, uh,
1: another one's Fred Rains. Fred was a great yeah. storyteller, great, yeah. story. and he had man all the stories about the Jubilee right. and things that he could tell. Right, and. Um, uh, Russell Keller. Mm-hmm. Russell was one of the mm-hmm. best. He, I interviewed Russ. Oh man, yeah. He told stories. One of my favorite, my all-time favorites that I still tell. Mm-hmm. That was a Russell Keller story. Was he had a catering company, and uh, President Truman was coming to town, flying in here to go to Bolivar to dedicate the Simon Bolivar statue, mm-hmm. and Russell had his catering company. He gets a phone call. And, I, and this is just a sign of the times. He gets a phone call, and the guy says, I got uh, two plane loads of people flying in, uh, the president and yada, 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 mm-hmm. for this big event, and one press plane and the president's plane, and I need 40 box lunches. And Russell said, the first thing I said to him was, well, you know I'm a Republican. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we know that, but we heard that you're a, you're a good cater.'" And he said, well, Okay. So he calls in one of his helpers and they make 40 box lunches. Now there's no bomb sniffing dogs. There's nobody in there checking their blood type. There's nobody watching them. They're not putting cameras in surveillance, nothing. Just two guys making 40 box lunches. (laughs) They throw the box lunches in the back of his Ford station wagon and they drive to the airport, drive through the gate out on the tarmac to the plane and go, here's your box lunches. (laughs) Guy comes down the steps. Takes the box lunches, thanks them very nicely, and, and they drive back. Now, today, there'd be 800 people involved in those 40 box lunches. It's just so sad, but yet it's so true to the time of 1947 to today.
0: I wonder if it was tuna fish sandwiches. I or don't
1: know what, what. He didn't tell me. He didn't give me the oh, menu. Probably no, no. <laughs> A bag of tater chips and a yeah, dill pickle. Yeah. And a cheese sandwich. And, and a cheese sandwich. A cheese sandwich. <laughs> that's it. On white bread. Oh,
0: man. Well, I know that what we've got here is uh, I think we've got something that's going to turn out to be an interesting little foray as we start talking about storytellers and two storytellers. So, uh Because they're out there. Yeah. Yeah, we we got to make sure that that we we don't lose track of them. Well, John Sellers, thanks for being here, man.
1: It's been a hoot. Anytime.
0: We're going to do this again real soon. Sounds good. and, And I'm not kidding you. You've been tuned in, turned on, turned upside down to the Accidental Storyteller. My guest has been good friend John Sellers. I'm Dale Moore, the one of the Accidental Storytellers. I'll see you again real soon. Take care, beloved.